0: it now. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Today is Sunday, December 25th, 2022. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Happy Hanukkah and any other holidays you celebrate. Today we are reading from the Big Book of AA, page 8, where it starts, the paragraph that starts with near the end, up to and including page 10, where it says, with ministries and ministers and world religions. So I would like to have our volunteer who is our reader, Dory, is going to read for us today and then we'll get to our speaker. Go ahead, Dory. Good morning, family. Dory P. Compulsive Eater in Georgia. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. He was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. Of course, he would have dinner and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about? I queried. He looked straight at me. Simply but smilingly, he said, I've got religion. I was a god. So that was it. Last summer an alcoholic crackpot, now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire all right, but bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. But he did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told him of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. He had come to pass his experience along to me, if I cared to have it. I was shocked, but interested. Certainly I was interested I had to be, for I was hopeless. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I said on still Sundays, way over there on the hillside. There was the proffered temperance pledge I never signed. My grandfather's good-natured contempt at some church folk and their doings. His insistence that the spheres really had their music. But his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. His fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. That wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are, for that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. With ministers and the world religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such theory. Thank you so much, Dory. And now I'm gonna introduce our speaker and she is Dawn BD. Welcome Dawn, the floor is yours.
1: Thanks, Marla. Good morning everybody. My name is Dawn B.D. and I am dialing in from the brisk state of Nebraska in Omaha. So glad to be hanging out with you guys today. Um, what a day. I When you think about that, end of that bleak November, and I, I was part of listening to everybody talk about how cold it's been and I'm in, in Omaha. So yeah, it, we're not 80 degrees here. We've been below zero and I was thinking about what that bleak November looked like when I came into program and when I began my journey in OA, And I watched the sun come up this morning and there's just that point where it's bleak and it's cloudy. You can't really tell what's gonna happen in the day without looking at your weather app. And then all of a sudden you get just that little smidge of light and then that light just slowly starts turning pink and that's hope. And, and that's what I hear over and over in these pages. And I think this is where Bill is at in these couple of pages is that he's on that, he's at that tipping point. He, he's seen a little bit of what life could be like, you know, he's got a little bit of sobriety in him from now um, at different points. And I think he's just there, he's at that tipping point. And that's where I was at that bleak November. I'm gonna qualify for just a minute because I'm in a different program, another 12 step program. And normally um, Sunday morning is where I'm at there. But I will tell you that Cherry Hill was my first meeting on Zoom and it's the meeting that I found my sponsor. So, uh, and you sent me a newcomer pamphlet and this is where my journey began. So I, I'm blessed to think that I get a share with you today of any day. I was, I think, like many of you, I have been an overeater all my life, been a compulsive eater all of my life. I remember as a young child, I'm the oldest of nine kids. And we would, when we would go out to eat, which wasn't often with nine kids, mom stayed home with us, dad worked. But when we would go out to eat, all I would do was sit and watch my younger siblings, my four youngest sisters, and wait for them to be done and hope and pray that they would leave something on their plate. And I would be right there just, okay, you guys done? Can I have those French fries? Can I have whatever it is? So paying no attention to any of the cool conversation that was going around, um, going around me, paying no attention to what I was eating because I was absolutely focused on what else was there because I it just was that hole in my soul that's been present since the beginning. So I think about that bleak November and as I approached it, I could tell that my eating was increasing and just that constant obsession with food, which is what told me that I was absolutely um, qualified to be an overeaters anonymous. And I think I tried for years in my other program, I didn't understand why the program didn't work. Why why was I still eating? Why would I sit in a meeting and just be focused on a donut when there was all of this sobriety and really cool program um, around me. And I I just didn't understand it. And luckily I've come to understand, you know, I I came to and and came to this program and now understand what my um, issues are. And more importantly, how to find abstinence and then connect with God. And that was all through you guys. So when I think about near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen and I felt okay. Bill felt okay because he knew he had alcohol stashed around the house. And I can um, compare that to it would be a Friday night and I would have gone to the grocery store and just stocked up on all of my crap food, all of my bench food. And my husband would be with me and he's a normal eater and he would have maybe a fifth of what I was buying. And that would last him for a month, whereas mine I was hoping would get me Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the cashier always commented on what I was buying, always commented on what we had on the, um, that was back before, I think self-help or the self-checkout, I could get away with that. Now, I wouldn't feel quite as guilty because self-checkout, it's just me. But back then, I had all of this food and they would comment on it. And we would always say, oh, it's for our grandkids or, oh, we've got company. You know, I didn't have grandkids back then. And we sure as heck didn't have company because I didn't want to see anybody eating or see anybody um, watching me eat. So we would buy enough. Mine would be gone, you know, way before the weekend was over. And then I would start obsessing on my husband's and more than likely um, eat his too, and then pretend that wasn't I me. And there's only two of us in the house. Our girl, our kids are all grown and there's all, only two of us. So just that obsession, just like Bill, am I going to get through whatever period of time? Do I have enough? There's always that thought of how can I get more? Always, always, always. So then, um, We go over to when we start talking about my musings were interrupted by the phone and Ebby calls Bill and um, says that he wants to come over. I think about that line where it says rumor had it that he'd been committed for alcoholic insanity and he wondered how he escaped. When I think about that line, wonder how he had escaped. If I was Bill, I would have been thinking, well, I heard he's sober. I know this guy. I know what kind of a speaker it is. or a um, drinker he is, how did that happen? And I would want to know. I would ask anybody that had lost weight, especially a great deal of weight. It was always, what book did you read? Is there a new app? What program are you doing? How did you do it? And I would want all of those details every single detail tell me how you escaped how did you lose that weight having no idea that um, for me it was different than it was for them and then they would be gone and I would be researching it I would be you know downloading the app I'd be um, trying Weight Watchers yet one more time I'd be trying signing up for Noom yet one more time they escaped so surely it's going to work for me too and you know I hear over and over I go to a lot of meetings and I hear over and over that diets for most of us worked and they did for me too usually for maybe a month and I you know drop some pounds and you get to that that tipping point of it's right before I started knuckling it and I felt kind of holy and I I hope that no one's offended about that word but I really did it's like wow, I feel fantastic and I'm never going to need sugar again. That, I, I, I can't believe that finally I found the diet. And then all of a sudden those thoughts would come, keep, come creeping in because I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater. It would be there. And then that holiness would quickly turn to white knuckling it and usually I would have maybe a binge day a week and all I could think about was that binge day and what I would eat. And then of course the binge day became the binge weekend and then it became the binge Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it was just right back at the beginning. And what my, um, what finally got me in here, what led me down the path and, and pushed me into the doors of AA, or I'm sorry, OA, was that at the end I was, obsessing constantly. I wasn't eating constantly, but I was obsessing constantly. And when I did start my binge foods, then it would be until they were all gone. But where I was at probably that last month before I found OA is that my husband's got, you know, snacks in this one closet, and it's where we watch TV. And my husband has a cigar every night. I couldn't wait until he went out and had that cigar, and that's all I would think of from the time I got home until he went out, and it was usually after supper, so two hours of just constantly waiting and praying for that, and he would go out, and then it would be game one, and then I would be in that closet, and it would just be, how fast can I get this food in my mouth, and, you know, he could have cared less if I was eating it he just, you know, he he didn't understand, but all I could do was just get that in my mouth. So I was so opposite from the door opening and there stood fresh faced and glowing. Yeah, that was not me. You know, there'd be um, crumbs all over the place. They'd be on the carpet. when i look back now um just the visual of what that felt like but probably most importantly was what that felt like inside just just that yuck that self-hatred just constantly with me so then when i keep looking at this so the door opened and then there was Abby, fresh-faced and glowing and there was something about his eyes and somebody told me at work recently that i just looked different and i've been in program um since april and found my sponsor like i said through this amazing meeting and started the steps and and got abstinent i've got two um abstinent dates here in my big book but they're only about a week apart so i've been um, abstinent since mid-april But luckily, God knew that this overeater, this compulsive person, this addict needed to work on her humility. So the weight. Did I see ten
0: more. Excuse me, Dawn. Ten minutes for you, Thanks,
1: Marla. The weight did not come off fast. God knew that I needed a lesson in humility. He knew that I would take any comment about how I looked like I'd lost weight, and that it would just go to my head. So it was a long time, and th- and I, I am so grateful for that. But the person commented that I looked different. She said it's something about you, something about your eyes. And, you know, I, I was abstinent is what I was. And more importantly, I, I had um, found some recovery and had started recovery. So I think about when uh, Abby says to Bill that, Bill says, come what this, what's this all about? And Abby says, I've got religion. And that's spirituality for me. And I did have recently, I had someone ask me um, what I'd done. What you know? They wanted to know what the weight loss program was. What I'd done to to lose the weight, and I think I mistook it for a 12-step call and. <laughs> kind of went down the path of, you know, well, I I've I found OA and talking about program and God and spirituality and just this look on their face. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I found a different way of communicating with people as to what I've done. But more, you know, it's so easy to redirect people and talk about them. But that that was my first 12 12 step call that the person wasn't asking for a 12-step call. And and when you go down another few sentences, the boy was on fire all right, Bill thought that Abby would be preaching. And what I love, and I felt like I was preaching that day. And what I love about this program and all of the amazing fellows in it is I don't hear preaching, I just hear your experience, strength and hope. And I heard you early and I identified in because I did struggle at the beginning wondering if the program was for me, am I really a compulsive overeater? I didn't have 100 pounds to lose. I didn't, you know, I was maybe 50 pounds overweight. I didn't feel like I'd never gone into financial ruins because of this. Never had surgery. But I heard enough of you that absolutely I knew that I was in the right place because it's what it did to you. It's that compulsion and the obsession that I identified in with. So then I think about when we get down to that last paragraph on page nine, he did no ranting, just a matter of fact way of um, talking about it. I wrote in my big book what I wrote next right to that is Cherry Hill. And that was the meeting that I stayed afterwards, which normally I would have had my camera off. I would have got the heck out of there about five minutes uh, before the meeting was over. And I stayed and I stayed because I truly, I knew that it would work. Recovery worked for me in a different program. I knew it would work here. And I stuck around and I went to the newcomer part and had the courage to ask some questions. And like I said, um, my sponsor texted me and and we talked and, and then my journey into recovery began. And, and life, has, life has just changed um, infinite, in, in infinite amounts. I'm, I'm just kind of overcome here. So on the top of page 10, um, he was shocked when he heard Evie talking, but he was interested. And that was me, but I had to be hopeless. And I love that the big book, that's right up there. I had to be for I was hopeless. And truly, when I talk about the tipping point, what happened, why I went from not being in program to being in this program, my tipping point was is I was so miserable that none of my clothes fit. It was a progressive um, amount of weight that I gained slowly over the course of the summer into the fall and winter. Nothing fit and apologize guys but it was my underwear and it was totally my underwear that did not fit and i couldn't stand myself i couldn't wait to get home to get that off and one day i got up and i i could barely get it on so i thought you know what okay my husband is 6'4. he weighs i thought he weighed probably 70 80 pounds more than me he'll his boxers will fit his boxers were tight that's ridiculous but that was my tipping point that's where i went from being not in program to being in program And I had that weekend, literally the day I put the boxers on, I was leaving for three days to go help my sister-in-law in in Michigan. I'm in uh, Nebraska, eight hour drive to Michigan. I listened to program every single minute of that drive out. I listened to program every single minute coming back. So that was 16 hours of OA because I knew how to find a meeting. I could certainly find an AA meeting. So I found an OA meeting and I listened and I listened and I listened. And, and that, that was my tipping point. So that's how you go from one day, you're not in program to the next day you're in program. And my life has been forever changed. Five minutes, please. Dawn. Thanks, Marla. So I'm going to finish up with that paragraph. I'd always believed in a power greater than myself. And I had, I went to Catholic college and there were moments in there. We went to mass at four o'clock every day before we ate. And there were times through the music that I felt connected to God. There was a retreat that I went to when I was in college and I met the man that I was pretty sure would be my husband and kind of like program had no idea what his last name was, never saw him again in my life, but that connection, it's like I knew that there was a God and always had believed in that. I just knew from an early um, age that there was a difference between religion and spirituality, and I didn't know how to get the spirituality part, and I knew that that was the part that I wanted, and <laughs> it took drinking myself to death and then almost eating myself to death to find God. And I found God through you guys. I found God through both programs. And I look back now and think of what life used to be like and how I woke up every day. And the first thought was, oh, God. Meaning I feel like crap. What did I eat? I can't believe I did it again. And I'll start again on Monday because I don't know about you, but I was never starting to die any day other than Monday. That would just give me an excuse to eat until Monday. And this morning I woke up and it's hi God. Thanks for my um, recovery. Thanks for the fact that I'm abstinent. Thanks for the fact that I'm sober. And thanks for the fact right before I got on this meeting, I was at my other meeting and my life has changed. When it stops changing is when I think I know more than you and I start disagreeing with what you're saying. And that's that very last uh, paragraph for me. When they talked of a God personal to me, um, there's, there's times where I hear people talking about their view of God and I shut down. And what I've learned is that's where I need to listen because it doesn't matter what your God looks like, what your spirit looks like, it matters that you believe in something other than you. And I will be eternally grateful for this program and and just appreciate everybody hanging out with me on a Christmas. So with that, I'll stop. Thanks, guys.